How are we doing? Hi, everyone. Hi, Hayley. Hi, Thomas. Hey, welcome. Welcome back. Number, is it, are we up to number five? I don't really know anymore. Do I keep a count? I think it's five. Welcome. Five or four? Oh. I think it's, is it four? I'm not sure. Oh, well. Doesn't really matter. Are we on? We're on. All right. Then you know. How's it going, ladies? Great, thanks. How are you? Excellent. That's good. How are you going, Hayley? Going well. That's good. Had a good couple of weeks. Yes. Busy. Always busy. Well, what are you busy with? Let's talk a little bit about what you do. Children, sport. Um, yeah, being a taxi driver. <laughs> Mum taxi. Yeah. <laughs> you run your own practice for the moment, right? And you also work for a university? No, at the moment I work for um, some psychologists and I'm doing their assessments. So I'm doing that at the moment. So um, is that a full-time thing for you, Hayley, or how much time does that sort of cut into? Sorry? That's just still part-time. Okay. Yeah. So, so when you say you're doing some assessment for psychologists, what, what, can you elaborate? Uh, maybe, you yes. maybe you can. I do all the sort of when someone calls up and wants to get, you know, to see a psychologist, I do what we call the intakes. So they come and meet with me and we go through what they might want or what's happening for them or their child. Um, and then <clears throat> I'm the assessing psychologist. So I do ADHD assessments, autism assessments, um, anxiety, depression you know, if they want a diagnosis, they sort of stay with me. And then if they want therapy, they move on to a, a therapeutic psychologist. Oh, I see. So you're into the diagnosis part of psychology. And yeah. Watch out, Thomas. She's diagnosing us every fortnight. <laughs> <laughs> she already knows I'm a no, lost I know. <laughs> no, That's right. Yeah, so I'm, yeah, I'm in that space at the moment, which... Um, yeah, just because I'm in between doing what I have always done, so just trying to work out my way. But that's a good balance for you because your your kids are still younger, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, nine, six and nine. Mm. Fun ages. Yes. <laughs> How about you? How was your week after a long week of seminars? Oh, the conference was amazing. Really enjoyed it. As always do but this year really um concreted a lot of things for me and I've, I've got a lot out of it right um, since we've come back it's just been full on because <laughs> we yeah. were away we were away the week before yeah so I've had lots to catch up on um probably haven't had as much time as I would like to do my homework and some things that I want to work on for myself um, so I think it's important over the next week or so that I make that time and, you know, knuckle down and do that while it's still all fresh in my mind. Right. Um, you caught me at one of the breaks, Thomas. I just had to write all this stuff down because it was so hard to keep up with you and write down what was going through my head. I just had to get it down. So I need to actually spend an afternoon and give myself some time and go through that. And then, yeah, that was good. What was your biggest takeaway? Um, I think for me, like, 
I, I think I even said it a couple of podcasts ago that everywhere you go, you see um, gratitude books and, you know, wellness books and there's all this self-help out there. And I think one thing that really got to me that you said, and it wasn't even in the course, it was just something that you said because a lot of the things that you say that we're not actually studying are often just as powerful or more powerful than what you've actually put into the book. Um, but you said to feel gratitude, not just talk it. And I thought, oh, that is so true, you know, and to accept um, accept your past and to, you know, like I, I went all the way back to my childhood, you know, like just it all just came flooding, you know, and things with my family and, you know, my sister and stuff. So it was it was good. It was good. I got a lot out of it. That's nice. Yeah. So thank you, Thomas. Thank you very much for being here. <laughs> I really there. feel that. So there you go. <laughs> All right. So what, what is the topic for this week? So this week is, um, is NGE the creator of your anxiety? So are your thoughts of not being good enough creating the anxiety? Oh, wow. And what a long love-hate relationship with anxiety I have. <laughs> okay, well, then let's start with you. I don't know it'll ever go away, but, you know, that's something that I've always experienced on and off. Yeah. Okay. Well, be before we start, if I may say to whoever's listening, anxiety is not the enemy. I think it's great to have anxiety sometimes. Hmm. I think anxiety is nothing else but that alarm system, that 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 warning mechanism. So we we can't just say let's get rid of it. Yep. If, if you're gonna have a, a full lobotomy, maybe uh, it's okay, but then you may not feel love either. So <laughs> I think to feel anxiety is good. The problem is to feel anxiety at the wrong time or to feel too much anxiety for a specific case. That's the problem. It's when it's over, isn't it? Yeah. Now I don't I I don't know. Um, I thought about this question and I don't think that NGE is the creator of anxiety. I think that NGE plays some part, but I can't say that NGE is the creator of it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, anxious thoughts can be about all different things. Yeah. When we talk about anxiety, we talk about different types of anxiety and they're not all created by the thought of not feel of not being good enough you know like when we talk about you know there's like in terms of disordered anxiety when it's clinical in the clinical range and it's interfering with someone's function um you know there's there's a few different types so um there's generalized anxiety and that can be about all different things lots of worry lots of fears and you sort of move from one thing to another so you might be worried that there might be a bushfire and you might be worried about you know the plane crashing or you might be worried about your kids getting kidnapped but there's a lot of a lot of different worries a lot of the time yeah that sort of interferes with how you would normally function there's social anxiety and now lots of people have get socially anxious and not love the spotlight or like you know mentally prepare themselves to walk into a room that they don't know the people in there that's pretty normal but it's when you know 
it steps over into that realm where people just won't, you know. Won't walk into the room. <laughs> yeah, they won't walk into the room. Yeah. They make up excuses. They, you know, they, they become sort of that hermit sort of thing. But, and then obviously anxiety. Fortunately, I've never actually experienced it to that extreme. And yep. I did think that we would be on different levels today. Like I did think that you would be like, you know, clinical and to the extreme of people who are like um, disabled by anxiety. So, and I'll be sort of coming from the point of my, my opinion and, you know, yep. from a mum's point of view type of thing and what I sort of experienced. So I think we're, we're very different today as well. But I think where we get down to it, and I, and I just wanted to point out the clinical range so that people know exactly what we're talking about, because when we think about not good enough, we're not talking about the clinical range. We're not talking about generalised anxiety, social anxiety, phobia, you know, unless it ticks over into that, um, you know, because then you get panic attacks. That's another type of anxiety where, you know, you literally feel like you're going to die and your body makes you believe you're going to die because you can hyperventilate. You've got obsessive compulsive disorder, post-traumatic stress disorder. They're all anxiety based as well. So we're not really talking about that in an essence. We're talking about anxious feelings, anxious thoughts. So that's sort of what I wanted to let the listeners know that, you know, we're talking about anxiety that people face all the time. Mm. You know, everyone has anxious feelings and anxious thoughts at some period of time in their lives. And I think it's talked about a lot, like, um, you know, people with anxiety about um, coping with anxiety and dealing with it and what you do to relieve it, but not very often, probably more so in your world, but not very often in, like, the normal world. <laughs> is it sort of discussed, well, you know, where is that anxiety coming from? You know, that question isn't asked very often. You know, someone says, oh, I feel really anxious today. I was like, oh, you know, maybe you need to take a walk, you know, you know, here's some essential oils, you know, what, whatever, you know, do you need to have some water, that type of thing, or are you tired, that, that those sort of remedies. But not very often do we stop and say, well, what is it that you think is making you anxious? Where do you think that's coming from? What is it that you're worried about? And I think that can be really important um, for people who are like anxious or, you know, not feeling right to sort of just go, well, hang on a minute, why do you feel like this? You know, where anxiety, you know, people sort of tend to throw it around like, oh, I've got a headache today, you know, but I think if more attention was paid to it when someone says, I feel really anxious, maybe it would start them on a journey to breaking that down and, you know, sorting out where it's coming from and what their real issue is. Yeah. So, so let's let's talk first about that uh, generalized anxiety then. Okay, so so where where is that stemming from? Um, well, usually, like that sort of generalized anxiety, where you can be anxious about lots of different things, um, <clears throat> is pretty normal. So, not talking about the clinical level where you end up, you know, not being able to do anything and it. In, like interferes with your functioning but generally people have thoughts or anxious thoughts or they worry or they're fearful and sometimes they've got every right to be like the world isn't always you know careful and you know there's dangers and that's that's human instinct anxiety is about survival 
And it is that warning alarm to sort of go, hang on a second, something might be dangerous here. And so we need that. We need that to stop us from doing silly things to survive. We need that as parents so that we can put boundaries in place so our kids, you know, don't fall off the edge of something, you know, because they've got no spatial awareness. So, and, and so everyone worries about all different things. The difference between worrying and it slipping over into that clinical range is when it happens all the time and it's this heightened, we call it hypervigilance. So your heart races, you know, longer than it stays still and, you know, you sort of wake up with this dread and, you know, that makes you anxious and this makes you anxious and it all just becomes overwhelming. And people can have that in periods of their lives, you know, when they are in survival mode, when something traumatic's happened. Um, and that's normal. We call that normal. That's like, you know, there's, an, there's a situation that's caused that and your body has responded to it. You go, you're going too fast. You're going too fast. So it's okay. It's okay for me to think before I take a, a trip on a plane, I hope it's not going to crash or maybe today I shouldn't be driving to the airport. Maybe my wife should drive to the airport because, right, that's okay. What you say is when it becomes all the time. Yeah. But between the it's okay and all the time, surely there has to be something that is happening for me to go into that all the time. And are you saying because I've just had some kind of shock or trauma or I'm going through something really heavy for the moment, suddenly I'm doing all the time with everything? People can do that, yeah. If it's situational, it's only about one thing um, and that's it, creating the feelings, then, yeah, we would just work through that one thing. But if it's if we're putting out what we call spot fires, you know, yeah. it's about this thing and that thing and the kids and the dog and, the, you know, and driving and catching a plane and all of these things sort of unravel, and you're not able to catch any of it and do something about it and plan because your head's too muddled and your heart rate's increased and you're hot and you're overwhelmed, then that becomes a problem. But the thing is people have worrying thoughts all the time, daily. Like we're designed to do that, to weigh up risk and dangers. So our brain is always doing that. Yeah. And that's normal. So if something comes into your mind and go, oh, you know, I hope the kids walking to the bus stop, you know, get there safely and no one takes them, that, you know, that's still a normal thought. But if you were then to go become so overwhelmed that you, like, couldn't catch your breath, you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to have to get them. Someone's going to take them. I better go and get them. And then you've got to rush them into the car and you do those sort of things where it's impacting your functioning and someone else's functioning, then that, that's not normal. How do you fix that? Um, well, they're automatic thoughts. Anxiety are anxious thoughts that create these feelings and then, and then drive whatever behaviour it is. So it's exactly the same as phobia. So if you're fearful of sharks you don't want to go in the water 
so you avoid so you know thinking about sharks even thinking about going in the water creates this anxiety in you and so you avoid doing it and and that's fine like that probably doesn't impact people's functioning they just go I just don't go in the water and I'm okay with that mm-hmm. but if it's stopping you from doing something like you know going on holidays or you know going in a boat or being able to play in the water with your kids or something and you really really want to that's when you should go and get help for it and there's ways around changing those thoughts working with probabilities what 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 is a very easy way that you can share with us um i guess it comes back down to these like false beliefs and assumptions so when we have a core belief about something like I'm going to get eaten by a shark, we find every piece of information to validate that thought. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there was like a hundred people killed this year from sharks. <laughs> so I like you know, but you don't hear about the survival or the the tens of thousands of millions of people who've been in the water who haven't been eaten by sharks. That sort of gets put to the side. Yeah. When we talk about, you know not not being good enough that nge whatever started that an incident with a family member saying it or a parent sort of putting a a, i guess a seed of doubt of self-doubt in our minds that might have happened or an incident has happened and, and and that's cemented that but it would pass except our brains and what humans do is they find every piece of information to validate that belief. So they go, you know, all the compliments in the world can't change it, but two negative comments. See, I knew I wasn't good enough. He thinks I'm not good enough. And then they just take on the criticism rather than looking at you know, oh well he did he didn't like this or I'm not good enough for that job, but it doesn't mean I'm you know, but so you know, Lisa said this about me, and she really likes me, and she likes my performance. Or that just gets pushed to the side, mm-hmm. and it's focused mm-hmm. on whatever is going to validate that not good enough. Right, but, but now you're already speaking about the second point of anxiety, which is your social anxiety, correct? And and in that respect, social anxiety is based on not good enough. Yeah, fear of judgment. Mm. yeah fear of um you know yeah being judged not saying the right thing not looking good enough yeah not feeling lovable or likable yeah yeah so one of the things that i've um learned actually from thomas a few years ago in relation to like dealing with anxiety is catching your thoughts like rec- the, the start of recognising that you're starting to go over and over and over things because it's quite normal to have, you know, con- worrying thoughts or if you're concerned about something, it's quite normal, but it's what you do from that point of worrying as to whether it turns into anxiety or not. So if you are anxious about something, it's the earlier that you can acknowledge that, okay, I'm thinking about this a little bit too much and to to catch your thought and to think about something positive about the situation or be able to turn your thoughts 
about that scenario into another direction um, really helps you take control of your anxiety, whatever the situation may be. Yeah. Yeah, I found that really helpful. That your mind lies. Yeah, it's all about having control of your thoughts That's and right. self-belief. Yeah. yeah. And in relation to NGE, it all comes back to <clears throat> like accepting who you are, you know, and, and learning to be happy with that. Um, all that really helps with the anxiety because if you're, you know, worried about something or, you know, worried about what someone said and you let that eat up, eat you up, like you were saying, um, if the, the sooner that you can learn in your life just to accept who you are and not to worry about what other people were thinking, the better. And it's all very good and well for us to sit here. We're all a little bit older, but yeah. I think if the younger generation were listening to us, they'd think, oh, really? Who wants to listen to that, you know? But, um, and I think it's easy for us to talk in hindsight, like this this end of our experiences, you know, when you when you're going through it and when you're going through trauma in your life or you've got something going on sometimes it's hard to see that I think now it's easy for me to look back and think hmm. but at the time it's a different situation so I think if people do listen <laughs> you know and in, in particular the young ones I think they can you know learn learn from it and the earlier that they can take that on board um, to accept themselves and just to be happy with who they are um, you know, the happier they'll be and, yeah. I find that with social anxiety, um, we all have it because the original sin, if you will, is when they took us away from our mother when we were born. That's when we had our first loss of love. But I, I think that for the young people, because we've been talking about them, the most important thing for me is to have a mastermind group to have, I was very privileged to have a very good mentor when I first started in life. And having him around me, he took away a lot of my anxiety. And, and, and I still remember him <clears throat> talking to me once. I, I was unhappy mainly because I, I couldn't feel happy about myself. And he said to me, you know, Thomas, next time you get to a traffic light, stop. When you stop at that traffic light, have a look at the left and the right-hand side of you and have a look at the people who are driving the cars. Then start enjoying what you're driving at your age. And, and I think that I, I never appreciated until lately when I really sat down and realized if you have a good mentor in those younger days, they can actually help you navigate a lot of those anxiety because you put your trust in their life. And those people could be you guys who have lived who have gone through this and who know it's only something that is going to be uh, short term and it's going to pass. Mm. And the, the unfortunate thing is a lot of those young people, when they get there, I don't know whether it is hormonal or anything at all, but Haley would probably tell us, but they get to a stage where they feel like they're on an island. They have to go through all of this by themselves. And this is where a lot of dangerous things can happen. So what about the third one? What about the third one? The, the panic attack, the, the PTSD and all of these things, which is obviously impacted like <clears throat> on us by very, very shocking moments in our life. How do we get out of that? Yeah, well, PTSD is something that, you know, it can be lifelong um, because people can go through periods of time where they're fine and then they're triggered by 
something that takes them back to the traumatic moment that they had. Um, and it can be a smell and it can be a, you know, it can be yeah, a texture, it can be so many different things that sort of takes you back to that trauma, that traumatic moment. But knowing the triggers, knowing your triggers uh, is the main thing around PTSD that you can do because you can try to mitigate that and you can try to expose yourself little by little to those things so that it's not so triggering anymore. Um, and same with panic attacks, like people who suffer with panic attacks, panic attacks their body actually goes into this like it you know if you put a heart monitor on your your heart beats through the roof like your blood pressure is high you actually your body goes into this shock that you're going to die and you and you can hyperventilate because your thoughts are so intense that your body reacts the way that it would be if there was something there and this can happen to someone who's just laying in bed and there's literally so someone who is going to have a panic attack how do they how do they learn to control that <clears throat> is, that something, is that something that you can learn to control definitely because it's noticing your thoughts it all comes from our thoughts our thoughts trigger a feeling and and you know like if someone is starting to feel anxious and whatever that might so where anxiety starts with a feeling a panic attack starts with a thought all of them start with thoughts when you thoughts. yeah everything starts with thoughts. the problem is we don't think it starts with thought because emotions go so fast we don't realize it started with a thought Correct. so it's about knowing where you feel that feeling so <clears throat> some people will say i get a tight chest or i start to feel nauseated or my heart starts to beat a bit, bit faster i sweat whatever is your first, I guess, symptom, then if you know that, you can start to work. But, yeah, you're right. It's really hard to catch a thought. Um, it's much easier to notice a feeling and then be able to do something with it. Yes, but definitely uh, people should be able to start with a thought. I mean, I think that Lisa spoke about if you are aware, then you can catch some of these things before it happens, right? I mean, I always remember, I mean, maybe it's not the right thing, a right place to really talk about this, but I always remember whenever I'm about to vomit because I'm going uh, fishing on a fishing trip or I have been drinking too much. The first thought is, I, I think I'm about to vomit. Or, and, and then suddenly my saliva starts to, to increase, right? And, and suddenly I can't stop it. And it's like, <laughs> but I'm just thinking, Definitely, if there has to be a way that people can really stop that first thought or catch it and then do something with it. Yeah, and you can. It just takes practice, and that's what that sort of, well, we call it cognitive behaviour therapy, but it's about the cognitions. It's about knowing more about how, you, how your automatic thoughts come and what to yeah. do with them and letting them sort of just wash over you and come and go before it gets too big and moves into, you know, something that's happening in your body and therefore something that you're acting on. So yeah. But, C but CBT is good for people who are in the, uh, who are driven through their IQ. But Hayley, what happens with people who are more EQ driven? I mean, is, is, it, uh, is it possible to really do that with EMDR, like eye movement um, reprocessing? Yeah, but with anxiety, regardless, 
like CBT has the best research behind right. it in that. But there's lots of other therapies. There's um, DBT, yeah, like um, acceptance and commitment therapy. Like there's lots of therapies that that people can go and have. But when we're talking about, I guess, the everyday person who doesn't hit that clinical level and thinks, yeah, I'm not that bad. I don't need to go and see a professional. They can still be doing, you know, that noticing and really working out, as Lisa said, where where did it come from? Why am I feeling this way? Why am I so scared? And then going, well, what is the real evidence for that, for, for feeling that way? Because we just find evidence to support our fears and we should be looking for the counter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so often if you verbalise and talk to somebody about it <clears throat> and all the thoughts come out, it's not actually as bad as what it is in your head. <laughs> yeah. So, so what, should they, what should they do is probably more important than why are they doing it, wouldn't it? Like if, if I was to give a piece of advice to some people who are prone to have anxiety is... I probably would ask them to focus on what questions rather than why questions, shouldn't I? Yep. Yeah, you could do that. Right. Lots of people can overcome anxiety and not know the true essence of the of the cause. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to ask you another question because I it did work for me, but I blamed a lot of my anxiety on my grandfather who's now dead, so I can blame him as much as I like. And uh, I mean, he's the only guy that I know who would just walk up a set of stairs and come down five times to make sure that at night the front door is locked. I mean, he's been checking it for four times, but he does it a fifth time. So I, I can blame him, but I, I'm just thinking, is anxiety more nurture or is it more uh, nature? It can run in families. So we often see a pattern, a generational pattern. Right. As we do with most mental health disorders, it can run in families. And I guess the whole debate is a little bit out because sometimes you don't know whether it's been modelled from an anxious parent. Like meaning you learn from, like monkey see, monkey do thing, model, yeah? Learn poor coping strategies or you've learnt that's how you deal with things and yeah. adversities. But, um, yeah, so... It can be generational, but it also can be, I get it can be nature and nurture. Okay. So let, let's try and give maybe over the next half an hour some advice to people who have general anxiety, because obviously if, if they have something that is more clinical, they need to go and see you in, in your office. But right now for the podcast, let's deal with maybe some of the general one. What about the people who go to work every single day and they've got the anxiety, uh, performance anxiety, for example? What are some of the tips that we could actually share with them in terms of uh, calming that need or that feeling of having to perform to keep the job? As you said earlier, Thomas, all anxiety isn't bad anxiety. <laughs> And, you know, if, you, if you've got to perform or come on a podcast or go to a listing presentation, sometimes a little bit of anxiety is a good thing and you can use it to, you know, get a little bit more energy from and, and put, it, put it to work and, um, you know, put yourself out there a bit more. Yeah. Yeah. And okay. it's about facing your fear in small steps. 
<clears throat> we always talk about, um, you know, no one who is fearful of swimming ever wants to just be thrown in a pool and go, go for it, survive. Um, that sort of, we used to call it flooding as a, right. as a therapy. So you're just, yeah. you know. Yeah. Push them in the deep end. <laughs> in the deep end, see, see what happens. Um, and we don't do that. We call it like. <laughs> no, you should. Life's too short. <laughs> so we call it like exposure therapy, but it's just exposure <laughs> a little to whatever is you're fearful of. So if it's public speaking, then. It's like looking at, well, I'm not going to straight away just be able to get up and speak in front of 100 people. So chunk it back to what, what are the steps I could take, little steps to build my confidence, build my skill and face my fear. So it would be like, you know, presenting just to a screen and having it shown or to one person, you know, and then building up from there. Right. Okay. So I think, I think it comes back for, for like the normal everyday person that suffers from mild anxiety, not the clinical anxiety that Hallie was speaking about earlier. I think it all comes back to, um, you know, being, being honest with yourself, self-acceptance and believing in yourself, always right. back yourself, you know, and tell yourself that, you know, if you're really worried about something, tell yourself that you can do it. You know, there's there's nothing wrong with giving yourself a good talking to every now and again. If if you're not feeling confident, you know, like um, I, I do really think that you need to believe in yourself. Right. Yeah. One of uh, one of the advice I've been giving. I'll just add to that. Yeah. That if you don't feel good enough, <clears throat> then what would make you feel better? You know, like we always talk about these as being thoughts or feelings, but sometimes literally you don't have the knowledge or the skill to do something. So mm. then it is about backing yourself, but it's about going and doing something about it. You know, that's right. practicing a course, listening to a TED talk, going somewhere, talking to someone, learning what you need to, um, to learn or, or, or watch someone else, you know, or Definitely. something, like yeah. gain the skills and knowledge somehow if that's where you're sitting with the, I can't public speak like Thomas can, Thomas is amazing, how will I ever learn? Well, then you work out how you'd learn. You watch, you talk to him or you, yeah, you do a course online or, you know, like. Yeah. Or you ask him and he will tell you he's nothing special, then you'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that I have done with a lot of people is to celebrate failures with them. Yeah. And, I, and I said to them, hey, listen, did, I need you to be doing this. Go out there. If you fail, give me a call. We'll celebrate it together and we'll have a beer together. And quite often they, they, they ask me, really? You want me to call you after I stuff up? I said, absolutely. I want to see you stuff up. As a matter of fact, we are going to go on a stuff up journey for a month. Every day, I want to use stuff up. Don't call me when you succeed. If you succeed at something, you get a listing or you get a sale, don't call me. And, and they go, huh, what are you talking about? But if you stuff up and I want it big, don't, don't do a small one, you want it big. And I always rem remember the, 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 the first time they call me about the stuff up, and I usually like, use a lot of swearing then because I want to shock the crap out of them. And that's when I go, wow, and I celebrate with them and they go, are you very good? I just told you about a stuff up and I'm celebrating, right? I, I, I'm overdoing it. 
But what happens, I notice that in the exercise, no one has ever gone past seven. After a few stuff up, they went, oh, no, this is, this is simple. So I don't know. I'm, I'm into flooding kind of stuff. You know, it's, you get in, here you go. You can't swim. You don't deserve to live. But if you, <laughs> but if you do swim, you're going to survive any kind of depth. So for me, it's always about getting people to see the worst as soon as you can and celebrate it with them. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, um, yeah, you need to, I guess in your way, celebrate. Yeah. Not just wins, but, yeah, all the mistakes because it just makes you a better person. Yeah, yeah. Uh, another technique that I've been using with people is when they call me and they say, man, I'm a bit stressed. I'm so stressed today or anything. And all. I, I always make it worse. I go dead or, or stressed. And, and quite often it takes five seconds. I go, oh, no, 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 I'm not dead. I, I, I'm stressed. I said, you sure? And they go, no, actually, I'm alive today. I mean, it's so good to be able to wake up. And, and suddenly they forgot they were stressed. You know, it's like, so I, I compared the stress they're going through with something way worse right there and make them choose one of the two. And suddenly and, they can see the good. Sorry? <laughs> and suddenly they can see the good. That's right. And, and so that is maybe a tip that I'd like to share with people, because if you do that, you can start making fun and starting to brighter side of the stress rather than buy in to the stress. I think people need to accept also that life doesn't always go to a plan, you know. People, you know, work out where they're going and, you know, I'll be married and I'll have this many kids and I'll have this career and da 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 whatever it is. Life, life isn't like that. Life will take you on its own journey, you know. So I think if people can accept that, they'll have their own sort of little path and follow that through and, and accept that it's not going to be all what their plan is, um, yeah. you know, that they they will feel better. Yeah. Right. Rather than sitting around going, life wasn't meant to be like this. I shouldn't be here. I should be there. You know, I think if they're constantly working on themselves to keep themselves on track and in a, in a good direction um, and accept that it's okay not to have the plan, um, I think that that's good also. Yeah. I, I don't know whether I I um, would push it to that level, but I sometimes say that life is meant to be like this. And, and this is why for me, a, a lot of people who are religious actually use it very well for me. I, I sometimes look at religion as a form of psychology, nothing else. But like, you know, quite a lot of people who are religious, when things don't work out the way they would love to, they actually put it onto the fact that God has made it this way because he has got a different plan. Yeah. He's got a bigger plan for them. And I think that when you really can chunk it up and, and push it back and, and take away the, not the blame, but this time now, look for the lessons in, 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 in it. So quite often, even that failure or that anxiety is actually gone or subsided. I agree because when we put everything onto our own self-worth, um, that can increase your anxiety. But when you give it away, you give it to God or, you know, and and you sort of, yeah, look for that silver lining and go, well, there was obviously a lesson to be learned. This wasn't the door that was opening for me. 
there will be another one. We know that because we always move forward. Yep. So, yeah, being able to give that and go, well, it's in someone else's hands now and a door will open and then, and that's the hopefulness, I guess, that comes with, you know, religion and Christianity yep. and, you know, it's it's the hopefulness that yep. you know, yep. the plan is bigger and, and things will work out in the end if you just, you know, stay a steady course and do the right thing and have good intentions, then the doors will open for you. Right, right. Okay. Another one, another tip that I would like to share is I, I, I use this one with a few people whenever they are more IQ driven. And I say to them, how, how many of your anxiety has really happened in the last week? So they'd say, uh, what, what are you talking about? I said, all right, out of 100, how many of those anxiety will happen? And they will tell me something like, oh, maybe five or, or maybe six. I said, okay, well, let's, let's take 10. All right. So if I give you $100,000, if you actually gave me $100,000 and I told you there's 10% chance that you're going to see that money back, would you invest in it? And every single time it's no. Then I say, then why do you invest the rest of your life based on something that gives you 10% return on what you think? And now with the people who are IQ, you have to do it very fast because they go, huh? What, what, what is he talking about? And once you scramble a bit of their head, they, then they let go of that. Because let's put this way, a very minute percentage of what we are anxious about really happens. Isn't it? But but if you tell people that they go, man, what you don't know what it feels to be in my world, all right? So, so I'm not going to listen to you. Yeah. But if you uh, translate it into things that people do every single day, that we all invest money every single day, we we all put money in the bank, we all do certain things, and none of us would actually put money in the bank where there's five percent chance that we are going to make some money out of it. Yet, most of us will play and replay horror movies every single day and hope that the horror movie is going to happen. And by the way, we're the only one watching that horror movie we've been dressing. Yeah. It's so true because, um, you know, we get so fearful of lots of different things that we avoid them, sometimes at all costs. Yes. Yeah, that's when, you know, that's when it affects our functioning or, or our success or, you know, it closes those doors that we really wanted open. But, yeah, our own fear steps in the way because we avoid what we're frightened of, mm. even if it's not going to kill us. What about you, Lisa? What what other things did you bring to anxiety? Anxiety? Wow. What, 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 what did you do in your life to alleviate maybe some of those feelings? I, I know you spoke a little bit about now catching yourself, so yeah. being aware of your um, mindful consumption. So over, over, like, over the years and different times when I have like, felt anxious and had anxiety, yeah. um, I would make sure that I didn't allow myself to get too tired or overwhelmed. Um, I try and stay on top of things. So... I always find if I'm organised at home and things are in order, um, you know, that's a coping mechanism for me. If if everything's chaos, 
that's easy for then, you know, anxiety to slip in and, you know, everything sort of gets out of control. So for me, it's it's not being too tired, not getting myself overwhelmed. Um, walking daily is always a good thing. I, I like essential oils, um, good old doTERRA clary calm <laughs> roller, lavender, <laughs> lavender on the kids' pillow when they were little and stuff like that to help them sleep. So, you know, those type of things. Make sure that you're drinking plenty of water. That's really important. Um, and and to, to catch your thoughts and to recognise that, you've, you know, you, you may be anxious for the whole morning, for example, if you wake up and you just think, oh, something's not quite right today. It's, I, I think it's okay to sit with that for a little while, but I think it comes to a point when you have to go, okay, well, why am I feeling like this? Where is this coming from? You know, and, and think about um, the, the situation or what, whatever it is that's making you anxious. So I think um, anxiety can be a good thing. I think it's an alarm bell. And when I look back over my life, a lot of my anxieties probably come from a very important alarm bell. Um, <laughs> you know, so I think I think it can be good. I yeah. think um, you know if it then I've I've never not been able to go to work. I've never not been able to function because of anxiety. So I've always been able to to keep going. Um, but I think when there's people that you know have to have a day off work because I'm just too anxious today, I think then that becomes a problem. And I think they, those people need to sit down and have a look at where it's coming from and be honest with themselves. Um, you know, if you're living a double life or doing something that, you know, you know is not quite right, but it's fun, but, you know, whatever, I think, you know, you need to listen to that because that's that's your warning bell. Right, I see. Yeah. see where I, I work differently, I go and don't listen to it. I would rather invest in something that gives me 94% chance of success then in six percent chance of failure. Have you ever like had a lot of anxiety? Like, have yes. You ever... Oh, oh, Jesus! Right. With with a father of mine, anxiety has yeah. always been around me. Right. I if I did something left, I knew there was something he was going to talk to me about. If I went right, there was something too. So I had it all my life. Mm. So, but it did. I have to say, it it did not get me to a stage where I had to stop. Yeah, I think that uh, this is the part of maybe nature where I still went at it and did anyway, because th th this is the thing. Anxiety is also a form of variable reinforcement. You you do something you and it doesn't it doesn't come up, and you think anxious thoughts and it still doesn't come up. But then one day you do anxious thought and it did come up. You go now you see I knew it. And that variable reinforcement now is what we we hoping is going to happen the next time. And it really comes down to that same thing. How many times did I have those thoughts that did not come up? Well, 94 times. So really, am I going to now have another anxious thoughts when I know that 94% of the chance is not going to happen? I tell myself, no way, I just do it. And if it happens, well, I deal with it. And these days, Haley, you're not quite there yet, but anxiety for me is kids in cars, kids, you know, out partying, kids in the city clubbing. It's like, ah, you know, that's that's the dread for me. That's that's where I'm at with my anxiety at the moment. <laughs> yes, like when you when you put it down there, like they're they're realistic fears. Yeah. You do hear things that happen. 
you know, to teenagers and, and, you know, and death can happen. We know that. So as parents or husbands or wives or, you know, friends that you go, yeah, I don't want to lose someone I love. So that's a natural fear. Just want to keep them safe. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Yes, but, but remember, here's something that now I'm going to probably talk to you because you're talking to a guy who's received a, uh, what is it, bubble wrap vest on Father's Day, right? Because I'm that helicopter parent. I have to tell you, one of the things that I really thought was when, when you're protecting your children quite often, you're only removing the lessons from them. And, and, and it's best that they learn around you and fail around you than fail away from you because those kind of stumbles much bigger. You know, uh, another thing that I, I, I thought of is uh, the 12 Rules of Life by Jordan Peterson's. And he says, don't disturb your children when they roller skating. And what's the worst thing to see? It's your kids doing on the roller skate, like all of those stuff, right? You're going, man, oh, he's going to fall. And what he's saying is don't disturb them. And, and I, when I read that chapter, I went, he's right. They have to fall. They have to do their own thing. So instead of us robbing them from their own lessons, what about them learning the lessons with us around? And, and that has really removed a lot of my fear. Yeah, that's good. I, I like that. Oh, so I'll, now remind, I'll remind myself of that next time. Lucy's <laughs> in the city clubbing. Yeah. <laughs> and I think, um, like when we're talk, when we're really talking about <clears throat> not good enough, that NGE. Um, we really have to be, I guess, self-compassionate. Like it's it's okay to feel anxious. It's mm -hmm. pretty normal. You know, don't beat yourself up about it. Like it's the same as, you know, everyone feels not good enough. Maybe not every day, but at some point in their life, and that's okay. So it's like going... Don't be so self-critical. Oh, there's something wrong with me. You know, I'm a stuff up. I, you know, I, I'm no good. All of that sort of that negative self-talk, <clears throat> which is hypercritical. It's hard not to do, but that's where where that anxiety can come from is that self-talk, that negative self-talk, rather than the, well, I stuffed up this time. Next time I'll do this and sort of forward focus into the, you know, and I can't do that yet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I will be able, I like, you know, if something, if you want to be able to do something, you want to be able to talk, you want to be able to walk into a room really confidently, or you want to be able to, you know, sleep well at night while your children are at the club. <laughs> yeah. you know, if, you, if that's something you really want and you can't do it, then you just can't do it yet. So what would you need to be able to do that and sort of work from there? Yeah. Don't be so critical of yourself for thinking that way or feeling that way. Yeah. I, I also want to share with you, uh, Lisa, and hopefully it will help you, but in my book, I actually quoted a, uh, a philosopher in the 18th centuries, and he said, too many parents make life hard for their children 
by trying to make it easy for them. And and you know what? I, I first I thought, what is he talking about? And he's and I'm thinking so true. this guy 300 years ago just came up with that line. Yeah. So what are we doing? Are you by trying to cocooning them now, are you actually condemning your kids to a harder life? You know, because one of these things is what is parenting? Parenting is, is about equipping our kids so that they can do and deal with life without us, correct? Yeah. Or is it about equipping our kids to never be hurt and be lost when we're not around? Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. And I think I think we do see a lot of that these days. Like I think we see, I mean, I, I would say like spoiling the kids, but I think I think there is a lot of that around where, you know, you give, 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 um, where we had to work, 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 you know? Yeah. 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 Okay. So how are we going to close this session here? This is a huge session and, and I think it was a beautiful session. How is there another piece of advice that you want to share? Uh, I've got remember that you're number one and be kind to yourself mm. and accept who you are and to feel gratitude, not just talk it. Nice. To really feel it. Nice. And I think probably a big takeaway is the more you focus on your failings or, you know, like the bigger the anxiety gets, but the more you focus on the negative, the more negative yeah. come up from that. So yeah. Yeah. Um, knowing that can help, I guess, spur on. You might not be able positive. to now, be able to flip your... Mm straight to positive but just knowing that negative creates negative might yeah. start to think a little bit more positive yeah i love that i love that you, you just reminded me of that line that anthony robbins i think said when you ask good questions you get to feel good when you ask bad questions you get two things you get to feel bad and you get a bad answer <laughs> now one of the lines that I really love, and, and, and if that is the way I can close it before maybe um, the two of you can close this session, but whenever anything happens to me, I still remember what um, Scott Matthews, a mate of mine, shared with me. Always ask yourself that question. What's good about this? Mm -hmm. Right? So, but since I've been doing this, you know, I actually take more risk and I don't really worry too much about the things because I go, what's good about this? And in the beginning, he was right. Most of my thoughts was, there's nothing good about this. What are you talking about? Why, why am I asking? Then he said to me, so then what could be good about this? And just changing that one word could, it actually made me think, okay, all right, all right. And at first, sure, I was fighting my ego, but after a little while, I could find something. And I think that by training ourselves into thinking this way, it doesn't come overnight, but slowly we go, hold on, there is something good about this. There's only going to be, whatever I do, there's only going to be two things. Either I'm going to accomplish what I want or there's going to be lessons on how not to do it. That's it. Yeah. And I think piggybacking on that, I will say that sometimes it's about working out how you survived because we're all still here despite whatever's happened in your background or your previous experiences. And so going, how did I do that? 
I might still be anxious or I still have trauma or, you know, I suffer with depression, but hey, you're still here. So you have survived. So what have you done? And you might have, you know, not swam through. You might have rolled and tumbled and, you know, your way through to get to this moment. But, you know, work out how you actually survived. What What did you find within yourself to push you forward? Because that's what's happened. That's why you're here. Love it. Love it. What a great session. Oh, my goodness. All right, Lisa, would you like to close it? Yes, I'll close again. <laughs> Not that you're keeping tabs or anything, Lisa. No, it's like, <laughs> I, just, I just did both my closing. No, I think I think it's been a great session and um, it's, re- it's really good to talk about anxiety. And for anybody that, you know, feels anxious and needs help, you know, there's no shame in, you know, talking to a friend or you know your mastermind group or anything like that that that's it's all very good and anxiety is common a lot of people suffer it suffer from it and they they don't even admit it you know so I think be kind to yourself love yourself first which is very hard to learn to do um yeah and believe in yourself yeah have a good couple of weeks we'll see you Thank all in Thank you very much for today. What a great session. I, I Thank you very much, Hayley. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you. Talk soon. Bye. 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 Bye.